Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Harriet Tubman. Could histamine be the problem with your hormones? Find out in this episode. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Welcome back, beautiful. I'm so glad you're here to receive more vital information about your hormones and what it truly takes to heal and become brilliantly healthy. I'd like to send some gratitude to Fitness Manager, who left a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes this week. She says, real topics for today's woman who wants to age well and know her choices. There is so much information out there today. Finding a filter and a trusted resource is important for informed choices. Dr. Kieran delivers. Thank you so much, Fitness Manager, for your support and vote of confidence. If you've become a regular listener or binger of the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or even on my professional Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Kieran Dunstan MD. It helps other women to find us when you do this. If you want to experience more than the current standard of care and deteriorating health that we have globally, then you need to find a trusted guide to educate and inspire you. Like Harriet says in the quote at the beginning of the episode, you have within you everything that you need to not only change your health, but also your life and the lives of others. One of the main reasons I do the work that I do is because those of you who are struggling with health issues are prevented from bringing your gifts to the world, and we need your gifts. Part of illness is that there is blocked energy within you, and part of the blockage is often some resistance to expressing your true calling, doing what you really want in the world. Can you relate? Are you stuck in a job that you don't really love or where you don't get to express your true gifts and desires? If this is the case, please keep listening each week as we reveal and uncover the essential steps involved in healing your body and your mind so that your physical health can support you in doing what is yours to do on this earth in this life. Today, my guest, Dr. Brooke, the author of the book, Hangry, and I are going to talk about a topic related to hormones that you don't often hear about, and that is histamine. Many of you are probably familiar with histamine as being the mediator of seasonal allergies or hives, that it is the hormone that causes local skin reactions of redness, itching, and irritation from contact with an allergic substance or other allergic symptoms of things like runny, stuffy nose, itchy, watery eyes, scratchy, sore throat, and cough related to airborne allergens like ragweed. Most people are not aware that histamine is a hormone and that it interacts closely with the female hormone estrogen. 
Estrogen can stimulate histamine release and thereby affect the immune system's mast cells. Those are the cells that secrete histamine. These are the mediators of the allergic symptoms we previously discussed. These symptoms can extend to the genitourinary systems, and you may experience this as heavy, painful periods or other female health problems. In addition, estrogen inhibits the enzymes that break down histamine. And those enzymes are DAO, diamine oxidase, and MAO, monoamine oxidase, which means there's an abundance of histamine available to trigger symptoms as estrogen rises throughout the menstrual cycle. This is called histamine intolerance, and symptoms can be exhibited in all systems and can include migraine headaches, nasal congestion or sinus issues, fatigue, hives, digestive issues, irregular menstrual cycles, nausea, and even vomiting, and many other symptoms. So if you've been suffering with any of the above symptoms, then please consider that histamine intolerance could be a part of the problem. In this episode, we're going to dive into this topic deeply with naturopathic physician, Dr. Brooks, so that you have a better understanding of how histamine might be at the root of your hormonal symptoms. And I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Dr. Brooke. Dr. Brooke Kellenick is a naturopathic doctor and hormone expert who specializes in helping women with PCOS, menopause, thyroid conditions, autoimmunity, and other women's hormone issues. She is the co-author of Hangry, Five Simple Steps to Balance Your Hormones and Restore Your Joy, and the co-host of the popular podcast, The Sarah and Dr. Brooke Show. Dr. Brooke helps her patients get to the root cause of their hormones hormonal imbalances, and get back to feeling better with targeted diet and lifestyle habits. She teaches women how to understand their own hormone talk so they can finally work with their bodies, metabolism, and hormones instead of being in a constant fight with themselves. Welcome, Dr. Brooks. So great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me how you became so passionate about working with women and their hormones. I know it's a passion of mine and I started as an OBGYN, so hormones kind of made sense, but you're a naturopathic doctor and you could have picked any area to specialize in. How did it become hormones? Well, like many of us who do this work, I was struggling with my own stuff and figured a lot of it out and felt so much better by working with my own ND. So at the time, I came from a background in pharmacy. So I was really on the other side of medicine. And when I was in school and my stress levels were going up, especially towards the end with my internships and all of that stuff, I was diagnosed with PCOS in high school and just was given the pill. And again, my doctor was lovely. She did what they do. I was given the pill and um, she said, you know, you might have trouble having a baby. You're probably going to get diabetes. This is what you take if you want to have a quote unquote regular cycle. So I took it and I never felt great on it. But when I know I was off of it, all my PCOS stuff was flaring up. So I wasn't really doing well in either world. And I didn't really know what I, what else was out there. And especially coming from the medical model I was in, pharmacy was not super open at the time, especially to any natural medicine. So sort of behind all my colleagues' backs, I went and saw my mom's ND and she really just changed my life. And she did this a couple of different times. And I know now what she did was relatively straightforward. It wasn't really intricate. Some of the stuff I do now in my practice, I'm like, gosh, those were the days when it was so easy to just 
take someone off dairy, give them a couple of different nutrients they needed um, and prioritize sleep and meditation and some of those things and everything got better. But she really changed my life. And so I just left that career and went to Best Dairy University in Seattle. And so, yeah, just based on kind of my own experience, I knew that I wanted to work with women and give them more options than I ever felt like I had when I was struggling with these things. Oh, I'm so glad you did. And I love the title of your book, Hangry, because I know I used to get that way when I weighed 243 pounds and my hormones were cattywampus. What inspired that book? My work sort of led me both personally with my own health. I discovered the paleo diet when it was relatively new, when it was just Lauren Cordain's book and long before it got to be the sensation that it is now. And it really helped me. And so that became a cornerstone of like what I did in my practice and what I did for a lot of, at least for a starting point for women with nutrition, just to at least get them off some inflammatory foods, learn a little bit more about what worked for them. And then I met Sarah Fragoso, who is the author of Everyday Paleo. She was one of the first women, I always call her the grandmother of paleo. She was like the first woman on the scene right after Rob. Um, Rob was a good friend of hers. And same thing for her. Paleo really changed her life. So we met now about six years ago and came together to, she's a strength and conditioning coach, paleo author, and mindfulness coach. So we sort of brought our two areas of expertise together and started our podcast, The Sarah and Dr. Brooks Show, and then put the book together. So our book's been out for about a little over half a year now. Okay, fabulous. I'm so glad that that resource exists for women. I know that in preparing for this show, we were talking about what would be really interesting and new because I do talk about hormones quite a lot on the show. And I know that you have a particular interest in histamine and hormone issues. How did that develop? Exact same thing. I was struggling with histamine issues, had no idea what was going on. And when I look back over my history, it, it had crept up a couple of different times when I was in like my most, like my first year of medical school, going through a divorce, like I had hives for a year and then, you know, my life kind of calmed down and it went away. So there's a couple different times that I've had histamine flares, had no one ever knew what was going on. And then in the last, mostly after my second baby, and my stress was again, kind of coming up with the book and, you know, everything I was working on and some hormone fluctuations and changes. I had my second baby at 38. So that was a little bit on the uh, later side. It was much different than my first one in terms of my recovery. So I was having what I would call like low level itching. It would not something that I would go to the, I wasn't having hives. And if someone would have asked me, are you itchy? I wouldn't even have necessarily said it. But when I stopped and thought about it, I was having more congestion. My period was getting a little bit more painful, starting to have a little bit of a reaction um, after I worked out. So I'd go to the gym, would feel a little more lightheaded, and it didn't feel like it was because of my blood sugar, getting pretty flushed after exercise and just having a lot more like congestion and a little bit more food sensitivities. So I looked into it a little bit closer with my own genetics and turns out I've every gene that codes for an enzyme that processes histamine in your body, I've got one or two SNPs in all of them. So it really kind of came together when I finally looked at my own genetics. So it's one of those things that is becoming more and more common, partly because we just have more and more stuff in our environment a lot more for our liver to deal with. There's a lot more demand on our 
you know, hormones in our stress response all of the time. And stresses can be a real big factor in that. So it was something that I, again, kind of, <laughs> obviously it helped my patients with and hadn't really even considered that, it, you know, that what that's like, right? You're so busy taking <laughs> yes. care of everyone else. So I was like, I completely missed this, you know, in myself. So we did, we did mention it in Hangry as one, a possible thing to look at if you feel like you've really done everything else for your stress or for your female hormone imbalances and you're still struggling a little bit, it, it can be one of the things behind that. Right. So most people are probably familiar with histamine in terms of allergies. And so they know that they may need something to block that if they're having a lot of allergic symptoms. But I know there are probably some women listening who are thinking, well, how does histamine interact with hormones? Why are they related? Can you help them understand that? Yeah. And what you just said is I think exactly what everybody thinks of histamine, right? It's the, maybe the hives, maybe the reaction to a bee sting or those seasonal allergies. That's typically what we think of the, you know, stuffy nose, itchy, watery eyes, but histamine does so many things in our body. It's a neurotransmitter. It's one of the things that helps you feel alert. If anyone's taken certain antihistamines and you feel sleepy and groggy, you know, exactly the opposite side of that is when you have histamine, you're more alert. So, you know, and I can get to the symptoms in a moment. So it's a neurotransmitter. It has to do with stomach acid secretion and gut motility. It has to do with a lot of the signaling when it comes to pain in your uterus, hormone balance. So if you have a really heavy period or particularly painful or crampy, histamine is part of that. Now, again, it doesn't all of the things I'm going to list, I'll go through a few more symptoms. If you look at the list of histamine intolerance symptoms, there are many other things that could cause these symptoms as well. So just because you have insomnia doesn't mean that it's histamine and then vice versa. You don't have to have everything on that list. I think some people look at the list and they're like, I only have a painful period. I don't have any of these other things. So again, histamine is a not the sole cause for female hormone issues, but it's a potential one and something to look at if you have a lot of symptoms on this list or if you feel like you've really done a lot of work and gotten a lot of the other pieces in line. So some of the symptoms, again, are like itching and it can be, again, kind of like a vague itching in your like ears and throat, nose, eyes, or it could be overtly, you've got eczema or psoriasis or some sort of really, or hives, some sort of really itchy skin issue, um, irritability or insomnia, again, painful, painful periods, irregular periods, headaches, um, particularly migraines, flushing, racing heart, sweating, nausea, vomiting, seasickness or motion sickness, getting car sick, heartburn, asthma, or some of those seasonal allergies can affect your libido. It can actually make your libido go up if you feel like you don't have high testosterone. Histamine is one of the things that's important in arousal. And then it's also a really big culprit for acne that's sometimes overlooked. So there's a lot of symptoms. Again, you can have all of them. You can have just a couple of them. And how it's really tied to hormones is, again, when you have issues, like let's say your headaches, your skin issues, your irritability gets, or migraines are worse around ovulation or worse around like day 21 or so of your period, day 19 to 21. Those are the times when you're highest estrogen. So a lot of women will say those days leading up to ovulation, so basically the second week of your cycle, you know, they're like, this is when I have worse allergies. This is when I get a migraine. And some of those things that can go on if they're worse during that time, histamine might be to blame. And then maybe they go away when your period starts in that first week when you're lower hormone. So again, something to look at if you have issues when your estrogen is the highest in your cycle. So like week two leading up to ovulation and that little peak that happens 
around day 19 to 21. And there are some genetic predispositions to having histamine problems. And probably some people heard you mention that and they're wondering, oh, I wonder if I could have that. How would I know? And one of these is Dow. So you have an enzyme in your intestines that digest histamine that comes in in your food called DAO or DAO. One of the reasons estrogen interacts with this is estrogen tends to block DAO enzymes. So you don't make as much of it, which is why it can um, be worse during those high estrogen times. So DAO is one. There's an enzyme and a gene also called um, HNMT. And that's going to be something else that helps you process histamine in your body, MAO, MAOB in particular, and NAT2. So if you've done something like 23andMe and you know some of these genetic SNPs that you might have, um, you could look at that and see if, like me, you had a genetic predisposition. Fortunately, right now at the time of this recording, 23andMe is not running most of those. So if you had your 23andMe done you know, 2018 or before, you probably have these on. I don't know their reason for that. But there's, again, multiple steps that your body, so like I said earlier, histamine is really important. It's important, you know, to, it's part of your sleep-wake cycle, all the way down, you know, through your digestive tract, to your uterus, to your immune response. Histamine is really important. And if you're someone who can't process it quite right, so there's a couple different things that can happen to make you histamine intolerant. One of them is these, you don't make enough of these enzymes. So we can either be genetically predisposed to not making them, or your diet and lifestyle, of course, is mucking up the works and you don't have the cofactors or they're overburdened or something's going on in your lifestyle. A lot of toxicity, unhealthy gut, certain infections, a lot of these things can increase the burden on these enzymes. So you can either be genetically predisposed or of course the epigenetics where we're, it's more of a diet and lifestyle issue that's causing these not to run quite so well. And either way, you can end up with this situation where you're just not clearing histamine out very well. The bucket analogy that we often use for liver detoxification really holds here too. So you're just filling up this histamine bucket too quickly, faster than these enzymes can process it. Now, why might you be filling it up too quickly? Are you eating tons of high histamine foods? One of those, you know, these are foods that we're telling you to eat right now, bone broth and fermented foods and really great fats like avocado. If you look at the food list, these are all quote unquote healthy foods. So if you're eating a lot of those foods, if you have some sort of infection like SIBO or Epstein-Barr sort of, or candida even, can increase your histamine levels. If you're just not detoxing very well, if there's, again, a lot of burden into your system, then you you could end up with like a backlog. And one of the most frustrating things for people is when they look at the food list, it's pretty restrictive, but there's not great tests for histamine intolerance. Histamine's broken down really quickly in your bloodstream. So it's not like I can send you for a blood test and have that be super helpful to just check a level of histamine. Right. So when we come back, Dr. Brooke is going to talk more about how do you diagnose if you have a histamine issue and what are some of the other foods that you need to avoid? Did you know that you can get my personal attention on your medical concerns by scheduling a consultation with me, no matter where you live in the U.S.? Yep, that's right. You'll get the answers that you need when I focus my 20 plus years of experience, board certification and fellowship training in functional medicine directly on your health concerns and identify the root causes of why you're not well and exactly what you need to do to get well. 
Whether you're suffering with overweight and fatigue, brain fog, hormonal imbalance, IBS or autoimmune disease, hair loss or the big three, high blood pressure, cholesterol and diabetes, I've got answers for you. You don't have to suffer with chronic health conditions, symptoms or continuing drug treatments that don't actually fix the underlying problem. There are reasons why you're having the health challenges that you're now facing. We will uncover those reasons together when we work one-on-one with a personalized approach, and I'll lead you through a plan to correct them and get you feeling great in your own skin again. Use the link on my website, Kieran Dunstan, MD, to schedule a 15-minute complimentary phone consultation with me to discover how great your life will be when you conquer your health concerns. Visit KieranDunstonMD.com for more information. That's K-Y-R-I-N-D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D.com. Your brilliant health is waiting. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, we're talking about hormone issues in women and particularly as it relates to histamine issues. Dr. Brooke is enlightening us on how histamine issues interact with hormones, what kinds of symptoms you might have, how to know if this could be an issue, what's the genetic component. So we were just talking about before the break, some of the foods on the list that you need to avoid if you have a histamine issue. And you talked about one of my favorites, avocados and fermented foods. Yeah, the list is really challenging. What are some of the other foods that you need to avoid? It is really challenging. But like we were saying before we went to break, it's hard to test for this. So it's not as easy as just sending you for, you know, a histamine test. And then we can say histamine's high, go ahead and go on this protocol. So one of the best ways to know if you have this is to eliminate high histamine foods, which again, they're really great foods. So this is ultimately not a diet you would want to stay on forever. Ideally, you would want to understand like, what is your root cause? Do you have an infection we could clear? Or like in my case, do I, are there nutrients like B6 and, you know, copper, some things that I can use to support those enzymes that are not running well for me. So hopefully you wouldn't have to stay on this really restrictive diet forever. But yeah, we're looking at foods like spinach and strawberries, anything fermented, any alcohol, avocados we mentioned, um, citrus, typically grains as well, dairy, big, big ones. If you look all over the internet, you're going to find some lists that are really, really restrictive and some that are not as much. I have a free download on my website. I find my list is kind of middle of the road, not as extreme as some. It's a little bit more um, restrictive than others, but I find that it gets most people pretty good results. And that's a free download on my website, but cured meats, anything aged, anything old, which includes leftovers, which is a really tricky thing. So (laughs) food that if you're somebody who cooks, you know, chicken on Monday and eats it for Sunday, right? And eats it for the rest of the week, that might be a really great time saver. But your chicken that you cooked on Sunday or Monday by Friday is going to have a lot more histamine in it. So for a lot of people, if you do, if you're not able to cook every single meal fresh, which is pretty exhausting for most people, you can freeze your leftovers and still you know, utilize them for the rest of the week. But that's a really good way to know if you take all those foods out for even a week or so, you should notice some of your symptoms go away. Now, if you're talking about how they relate to your female hormones issues, Mm -hmm. you might have to take them out for that whole month just so you can see, of course, as women, any 
efforts and strategies we do for our hormones, we do really need to see over the course of the over the course of our cycle. So that you might want to take them out a little bit longer. But again, many women find that if they just lower their histamines in their diet, maybe the week of ovulation, they don't get a menstrual migraine. Or maybe if they just take a couple nutrients like quercetin and B6 and vitamin C to help stabilize their histamine releasing cells, then they do a lot better during mm-hmm. those times. And that's another issue. We talked about genetics being one of the longer term issues. The one other that's not related to an infection or an overburdened detoxification system or an unhealthy gut. The other thing that can be more long-term is something called mast cell activation syndrome. So this is where you either have too many of the cells that release histamine, or you have some that are kind of unstable and they just release them a little bit easier than they should. And again, that does tend to be a little bit more long-standing. So like with me, with my genetic issues, I definitely have put avocado back in my diet. I, I do eat a lot of these foods. I'm just careful not to eat them all in one day. I'm careful not to eat a lot of them if I haven't been getting enough rest or I'm under a lot of a lot of stress, then those things make it a little bit worse. Right. And so you can avoid those foods. And then there's some supplements you can take also that can help with this. You want to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, you go back to like quercetin, vitamin C, um, B6. Those are probably the three that come to mind. Anything that, that are, you know, and most professional supplement products have some version of a product for histamine or allergies with quercetin and vitamin C. So you can, you have lots of options with that. Methylators are really important. Some of the enzymes that, you know, you process histamine with are methyltransferases. So sometimes, you know, B12 folate, um, the other suite of B vitamins can be really helpful. I usually caution people with B12 and folate just because as many people listening probably know, sometimes those make people feel a little bit more anxious. And if you've got any issues with MTHFR or your own methylation pathways, Mm -hmm. so those I usually recommend you either try a low dose or work with somebody. Um, Copper, zinc, some minerals, those can be really important too. And I think I mentioned vitamin C, but that's like a great one that usually doesn't interact with too many other things. And nettles are definitely out there. Oh, and nettles, yeah. Quercetin and nettles. Again, most of like, you know, I've got one in my line. There's a lot of those allergy kind of products out there and they tend to have like the nettles and the quercetin and the vitamin C in there. And is this something that if, say, a woman is having hormone problems, like you started out with PCOS in high school, I think you said, or college, and went to the gynecologist and they put you on a pill, is this something that the gynecologist is going to look for and recognize? Probably not. As you know, our <laughs> our um, healthcare, a disease care system is so fragmented, right? If you go in to your gynecologist and you're talking about your heavy periods, they're probably going to be thinking like, well, do I need to put you on the pill? Do I need to put you on progesterone? You know, something like that, because that's kind of their their glasses that they look through, right? That's their specialty. And then if you say, I also have really bad allergies and I'm getting migraines with my period, they're probably going to say, you need to go see your allergist or your ENT, <laughs> right? That's how our system works. Just by, we're drawn to functional medicine and natural medicine, right? Because we can you know, have the, and I do think it's a gift. We can spend an hour with a patient, right? And really look at all these systems. And it is funny to me sometimes when, you know, a patient will come in and we're, looking at, she's coming to me for her female hormones, but then we ask all these other questions, right? And I also find out she's got all this other stuff going on. And of all things, she's like, I know you're going to tell me to eat more fermented foods. Everybody says I need probiotics. And I'm like, actually, it's the opposite. I think we're going to get rid of those menstrual migraines by taking those fermented foods back out. And it's funny, I think now with so much information that women have access to, like kombucha, right? Another fermented food that everybody's supposed to be drinking and a green smoothie that's, let's say, chock full of spinach and avocado. 
And someone's like, you know, ever since I've been started, like kombucha makes me feel kind of anxious. I feel a little bit weird after it. (laughs) And, you know, my throat's always kind of scratchy after I have my smoothie, but that's what people tell me to do. So, uh, you know, I think women are so inclined to think there's something wrong with me. I need to do this more. I need to do this, you know, double down on smoothies. Right. Instead of, yeah, realizing that all this advice out there, it's not even that's bad advice. It just may not work for your particular set of hormone issues, which is kind of how we teach it and hang that you really have to filter all that information on you and you really are the expert in you. And please don't ignore those new symptoms that pop up when you start doing something that, you know, some other expert told you to do. Right. I think the other issue is that we really love as a culture, one shot wonders, and we love the cure. And if B12 or B6 is good and it's the answer, like B12 for energy. And so I see these people on these mega doses of B12, they go and get B12 shots at their doctor's office every week. And they're so proud of that fact, but they don't realize that there are all these other B vitamins and other issues that go into making energy. It's not just about B12. And so if kombucha is good, we think, well, then more is better. I have kombucha every day. Oh, I'll have it for breakfast and lunch. And then I'm really checking those boxes and I get an A for kombucha and we really can cause imbalances. And I, I think it's so important that we get back to helping people understand that it's about balance and it is individual to each woman. No two women are alike. And I really educate my patients that it's important for them to, I recently started a patient who has a reactivated Epstein-Barr virus on some German biologic um, spagurgics. And she said, well, do I need to talk to you before I make each change? Because it's a very complicated regimen that she has to change. And do I need to talk to you every week? And I said, no, this is a great opportunity for you to listen, learn how to listen to your own body. Yes. The remedy that you're starting, pay attention. I want you to keep a journal. What are you feeling in these different symptom areas? And then over the week or two that you're on it, and then you determine, are you ready to go to the next step? Because I had laid out the steps for her and the different remedies. And uh, that was a new concept to her. She said, well, no doctors ever told me to do that. I always have to check back on with the authority, who's the doctor, on what to do. But I think we really need to get away from the one-shot wonder, the, the cure, and get back to balance, listening to our bodies, paying attention. Absolutely. And we really talked a lot about this in Hangry. This is kind of what I've developed over, gosh, almost 15 years in practice now, which sometimes I can't believe that. I feel like I just graduated. You know, with, with all the new fancy stuff, you know, we've got new, so many new hacks and diets and really extreme things that are the new shiny object, right? And we forget about the basics of insulin and cortisol. And I always say they're not very sexy. They're not new. They're not high tech, but they are such important metabolic regulators. And they're going to have such a ripple effect across your thyroid and your estrogen, your progesterone, and you've got to get those in line first. And the best thing about them is they talk to you all day and they tell you how much they hate your current diet and lifestyle. So the acronym I teach women is ACEs. So appetite, cravings, energy, and sleep. And insulin's going to talk to you right after you eat. And cortisol is going to talk to you first thing in the morning and between meals. And if you're getting changes in those ACEs variables, that's information you can use to make a decision at your next meal or even in the next moment of like, you know, my blood sugar is in 
in the tank after what I ate earlier, I'm going to have a higher protein meal. I'm going to do some deep breathing. I'm going to try to like trigger my parasympathetic nervous system. And I think there's a lot of power in that to just know like, it's not anything wrong with you. It's not anything necessarily even wrong with the diet, but mm-hmm. how do your hormones like it? Cause they're trying to tell you. And I think women get so mad at their hormones. They're like, I hate my hormones. My hormones are a mess. They're driving me crazy. And I'm like, they are just trying to keep you going in your totally bonkers lifestyle. We just can't ignore that. We have to really tune in and listen. And I always say, be your best friend. If your best friend was telling you how terrible they felt, you would drop everything and help her. But with us, we're like, I'll deal with that when this project is over, when soccer season is over, when my kid's out of school, when my husband's job eases up, like whatever it is. And I always say there's no fewer words have caused women more grief than there will be more time for me later. Yes. And I love that. I, I thank you for making that point that would you treat your best friend that way? No, you would stop and say, what do you need? I'm here for you, no matter what was on your plate. So I think that it's very important to for women to get back to balance with their own lives. And really, self-care is not about the spa. It is about listening to your hormones. And I love that you say they're talking to you. I always say that hormones are the communicators in your body. And so when you say that they are speaking to you, they really literally are. And I love that. Dr. Brooke, you have shared so much wonderful information with everyone listening. Sometimes I feel like it's hard to bring in more esoteric topics like talking about histamine because so many people have trouble even managing the basics, like getting their food right. But I do think it is important to cover these types of topics for those women who really are doing the work and really are putting in the time, listening to their insulin, their cortisol, their sex hormones and thyroid hormones. And maybe they're not getting where they want to be and they're saying, what else could be the problem. So I think it's wonderful that you're covering these issues. Please tell everyone how they can find out more about you. Sure. So my website is betterbydrbrook.com. That's Brooke with an E. I'm at betterbydrbrook on Instagram and Facebook. I don't do much on Twitter these days. Those are the best places to find me. Um, my podcast is the Sarah and Dr. Brooke show. And we have done a couple episodes on histamine for sure. And then our book is called Hangry. And you can find that wherever you get your books. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And I'd love it if you could leave everyone with top three take action tips. They've heard something that you said that maybe they're thinking, oh, I might have a histamine problem. What would be the top three take action tips you would leave them with? I would hop over to my blog or just Google real quick what the symptoms of histamine intolerance are, because again, you don't have to have all of them, but you know, if you see yourself in there, and again, like you just said, you know, if you've done a lot of the other stuff, this might be kind of a lingering thing. Your best thing to do is to do a quick elimination. One of the really hard things that people find about the histamine diet, which is very different than our traditional elimination diets, where you stop eating this food for 30 days, you go back on it and you watch for symptoms. The really tricky thing about histamine is because it's that bucket analogy, it might be that today you're right before ovulation and you didn't get much sleep last night and you forgot to take your B vitamins all week and then you eat an avocado and you get some symptoms. And then a week later, you eat an avocado and you're totally fine. So people get really frustrated by that. So don't be frustrated by that. You really want to just like take them all down and see if you get better. Alternatively, you could eat a bunch of them. Some people do say, you know, to test it, just go eat a ton of fermented foods and see if you get worse. Again, because I think that it's kind of hard 
because of the bucket to do it that way. I mean, that is one way to try to fill up your bucket, but I also don't like triggering a migraine in someone. So I think elimination is in dumping the bucket is probably the best way to go. And then I think not specifically for histamine, but just kind of to drive home that again, your hormones are really trying to help you. They're really trying to send you a message. They're really trying to talk to you. And we, none of us want to hear, and you probably feel this way too, you know, you tell a patient they need to manage their stress and their eyes kind of glaze over and they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Right. What supplement can I buy right. to fix that? You know, right. it's like, I would love to sell you more supplements. That's never going to help, right? Like that's not what we do yeah. in good functional medicine. We really got to get to those causes. And, you know, again, like maybe your histamine stuff is okay until you get stressed or maybe any other issues are okay. And we really cannot overlook how overbooked we are, how overstressed, like the lack of fulfillment, our lack of joy, our lack of play. I mean, how many of us have a hobby and just do something just Mm -hmm. for fun? So we talk a lot about that in Hangry, which is a hormone book, but we talk a ton about mindset and reconnecting to your joy. So I think it's, we really do want to focus on the food and the right supplements and the perfect workout and all of those things. And they, they do really matter, but you know, our stress management, we can't neglect that. And it does take some practice to meditate, takes practice to change your mindset, but it's so important. It's that running chatter that's in our brain all the time. And I, you know, like we were talking about the best friend who, what voice is running on constant in our mind? Is it your worst critic or is it your best friend? Yes. Those are wonderful take action steps and so much important information in there. And what it leads me to is that when I was 243 pounds and had all kinds of health issues and was on many different medications, what I was told to do in terms of my stress to decrease it and stop it from affecting my health, I immediately said, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And it was the things that I absolutely refused to do up front that ended up being the things I had to do to regain my health. And so learning how to embrace that and understand that your health is talking to you along with your hormones and you do need to do those things that you say you can't do to really make those changes. And sometimes they seem challenging up front, but in the end, they'll be the best changes you ever made. (laughs) Yeah. I say almost always the thing you don't want to do, we got to look at that because there's probably, we see this all the time with like a food sensitivity or drinking wine every night or sugar or not meditating because who has time for that? It's almost always the thing we, or for me, I'm really bad at like yoga and stretching and the rehab things I need to do. But go tell me another like strength training workout or sprint workout. Like I'll do those all day long. And the thing that I don't want to do, of course, is the thing I need to do. The, right. the stretching, the the relaxing, the restorative breathing. So yeah, if there's something you're really resistant to, I would say there, there's your, that's probably that's your, your golden answer. ticket right there. <laughs> it's your golden ticket. Yeah. So Dr. Brooke, thank you so much. The name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. You certainly exemplify that. And I'm wondering if you could tell everyone what that means to you. Oh, well, I would say just like what we've been talking about, to me over time, that has absolutely meant being my best friend because if I've got, I've definitely ruined my hormones and my health with over-exercising, dieting, wearing stress like a badge of honor, doing too many things, you know, sacrificing sleep. And um, to me, if I can just listen to like, what would I tell my best friend? Or if you have a great relationship with a parent or your own children, like what would you tell them? It always kind of brings you back to the right answer. That's usually the more loving and kind thing. Whereas I've historically been um, 
pretty high stress and uh, have run myself into the ground many times. Um, so most of, other than having my PCOS diagnosis, most of the other hormone haywire I've had has been 100% due to my own stuff. <laughs> Got it. So thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your expertise and your passion and your path with us today. Much appreciated. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.